Tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. Want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I'm Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 78 and 79 of Carry On. Chapter 78. We get a lot of perspectives in this chapter, everyone. Uh, Baz really should have given Penny his cell phone number. <laughs> to save this poor dog and it's poor human a lot of pain yeah we also get penny penny's hiding from her parents when babs arrives at her house uh or arrives in her neighborhood frustrated that simon just went to go to the mage without her because he was sort of spooked by her plan that they just fucking leave simon because he has a big damn hero complex only he alone needs to go and fix all of magic uh, Penny needs to get a hold of Baz because she does not, as we mentioned, have his cell number. Uh, so now we are all caught up to the present in which Baz and Penny and this poor Spaniel are off on their way to Watford. Chapter 79, Lucy, in which we get the description of Simon's conception where uh, Lucy is, let's just say, basically coerced by the fucking mage. To roll up to Watford, sneak into the old Oracle Tower at the top of White, of the White Chapel. The fucking mage does some totally sus magic. Lucy's still thinking that she's a stabilizing force. Is in too deep to really question what he's doing. Anyway, some weird shit's going on that, unfortunately for everyone involved, does in fact kind of work. All right. Yes. So before we get into it, uh, thank you to JK4901 for your review. Um, Also, I just want to put out there, so you mentioned in your review that you've had some issues with uh, volume equalization in our show. Folks, please tell me. I listen to these like three times before they go up to make sure that that doesn't happen. But I know that that sounds different in different places that you listen. And so I would love feedback if you can be like, hey, these minutes on this app and I can listen and be like, cool. And then I can look at my waveforms and audacity and be like, that's what that looks like. And then I can know that I can, so I can change it in the future. I spend a lot of time editing these and I want them to sound as good as possible. So I appreciate you bringing it to my attention and the more details, the better. Also, we have a new Patreon offering specifically related to Escape from Reality. It's very exciting. Doesn't have a title yet. It's like a mini Escape from Reality where we're gonna be talking about the OG carry-on inside of Fangirl a few pages at a time. So we'll do a full Escape from Reality episode about like two pages of Kath's fanfic. And for those of you who maybe weren't aware that the origin of the Carry On series is from Rainbow Rowell's book, Fangirl, in which the main character, Kath, is a big name fan 
in the Simon Snow fandom, which is sort of analogous to the Harry Draco shipping vibes. But remember, Rowell has specifically said that like the Simon and Baz in Fangirl is different than the Simon and Baz in the Carry On series because she's like, if I was going to write these series actually, what would I have happen? And thus, three books later, right. we know what has happened. So yeah, this will be kind of a treat. It's sort of a like AU of Carry On, but written by the author. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be adorable is what it's going to be. So, you know, if you aren't a patron already, check it out. We're at patreon.com slash the Gaily Prophet. And the first of those is going to be going up later this month. I actually don't know when this episode comes out, but it will be going up at the end of September, which might be in the past or the future or right now. Who knows? Not me. All right, and with that, we will enter. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else, which is almost nothing, question mark. I have literally two things. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Cool. I wonder if they're the same things. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm just like deeply annoyed that Baz has been solving this mystery with Penny for how long and he did not give her her his cell phone number. <laughs> At the very least, you should be you should be exchanging numbers if you're trying to solve a dangerous murder mystery. <laughs> I agree. I also think it's charmingly hilarious that he wouldn't give her his number. <laughs> That is true. It does seem very, like a very stuck up thing for him to do. It feels so, to me, it feels like this petty, like we're not, we're not actually friends. That's fooling no one, right? She obviously knows that they're actually friends, but it makes him feel better somehow to be like, no, you can't have my phone number. You have 50 other ways you can contact me, but I'm not going to give you my cell phone number. And it is, it is pretty ridiculous. Um, so that was also my first one. So we'll see if this is your second one. <laughs> so I just want to talk about like Penny wants to just peace out. She just wants oh, to go. This isn't my second one, but okay, let's talk about it. Should should they have? I'm kind of like, maybe. Yeah. Why not? I feel like her, I feel like her instincts are correct. And I feel like... I mean, I think we've been getting a little bit of hints that um, Penny is not just this straight and narrow black and white thinking that Simon has, that I think that Penny is a little bit morally gray. And I think this mm-hmm. is where this is coming up, where she's like, if everyone finds out they're going to fucking kill you. And she doesn't say that directly, but that's basically what she's saying. It's like, you don't have any idea what they're going to do. And it's probably going to be fucking awful. So we should just like go right mm-hmm. now. No, we can just disappear. And... Right. It's like, you're basically my best friend. I don't want to see you fucking murdered. I'm ready to go. Like, literally give up my entire life. Let's do this shit. And Mm -hmm. that's intense. And also, I don't know. I think, (laughs) I think it's the right thing to do. (laughs) Is to be like, oh, no, fuck this. The mage sent these vampires. You want to go talk to him about the humdrum? Hell no. Hell no. I'm buying a plane ticket right now. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I have a backpack. We we're gonna leave. Yeah, and I I think it might have been okay because now that they know what was happening, 
and it seems like the holes haven't crossed the water. It seems like they might honestly just be able to like get away from the humdrum and then the humdrum won't be able to send things after Simon anymore and Simon can just not use magic like that and then maybe maybe the problem would have sorted itself out I don't know or at least I could have had like a solid couple years while the humdrum sought them out right I mean yeah they could have gone to America which is fucking huge and if there were weird holes in the magic Again, America is fucking huge. It would have taken it would have taken anyone a long time to figure out the fuck was going on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Penny's boyfriend is there. They can crash on his couch where they're like, "So we're kind of fugitives." So if you keep in the hush hush, yeah, we figure some shit out. I mean, and if Simon isn't in danger, he's not going to go off. So he might not even cause a new humdrum somewhere right. else. Yeah, yeah. As we'll as we'll get into later, Simon is uh, not that. I mean. You're a chosen one. You really just can't walk away from that shit. Like, no one does, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, you try to when you're like, wow, I felt fucking guilty about this. Right. So. Yeah, Simon is too, like, good and pure to even consider it. Yeah. <sighs> cool. So what was your second one? Um. So Lucy mentions that there is seven chants or whatever and seven candles and she's like why the fuck is it always seven and i just maybe remember someone else who is except uh, obsessed with seven which uh has been brought up as the most magical number (laughs) and i'm like voldemort it's voldemort voldemort was also obsessed with the number seven as he since as he says it's the most magical number which is why there are seven horcruxes and it is it's also the number, it's also the reason there are $7 a month in our uh, single Patreon tier. In case you were wondering <laughs> why it was $7. It is one of the most magical numbers. Yeah, so I'm kind of like, I just appreciate that. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's going to be, right, it's going to be 7 or it's going to be 13 or it's going to be some other magical number. It's going to be a prime number. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about to say it's going to be like 3 or 7 or 13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I see a little silhouette of a man. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Uh, we don't get Simon's. We get Simon's POV very briefly mm-hmm. in this chapter which she's like i can't run like and i'm like you could but Mm -hmm. your sacrificial lamb complex won't let you so but we also get the return of him manifesting his wings and tail which he will have Mm -hmm. this is not really a spoiler for the rest of the series is that really a spoiler yeah uh it's i don't think it's a spoiler because they're on the covers yes yeah it's not a spoiler if you've seen the cover of the books and see that he has had he still has these dragon wings and dragon tail yeah yeah he's just like i'm just gonna fly there and i'm like (laughs) that's one way of doing it all right let's be real if once you had solved a problem by growing wings would you ever, when faced with a similar problem, not automatically be like, I'm going to grow some wings? 
Oh, no. Of, of course I would. Especially if they were cool-ass dragon wings. Hell yeah. Yeah, same. <laughs> like, definitely, definitely going to be my go-to response from then on out. Yeah. It is, I think, a hard choice between dragon wings and, like, I don't know, really cool, like, bird feathers. But I feel like the upkeep on the feathers would probably be a pain in the ass. It's true, but I feel like on you, it's going to have to be the feathers. You seem much more of a of a feathers. You know, I am a big bird person, but I also really love dragons. <laughs> I'm just saying with your aesthetic, though, I feel That's like the, true. The, the bird wings are going to go better with like everything that you wear That's and true. surround yourself with. That's true. They would still be bird of prey feathers because obviously. What's the most flamboyant bird of prey <laughs> uh i don't know i just i mean a lot of them are pretty that you know along the same color scheme i particularly like peregrine falcons just because of all of the sort of historical imagery and uh association with peregrine falcons also they are very pretty but anyway all right, so I have one thing about uh, the fucking mage. Okay. That we get a line from Lucy, even though the oracles are gone. She's like, where did you even find this weird place on the top of the chapel? But she was like, he knew Watford better than anyone. He just wouldn't study when just like roam around. Which, honestly, cool. I would definitely think about doing that if I was like at a place like Watford. Mm-hmm. Res- respect. And then I'm kind of like... You could have just created the, like, Watford Marauders map and not been a huge douche canoe, but no. <laughs> True. Could yep. Didn't. <laughs> I don't think it was, that's not, that's not who he is. There's nothing political about creating a map. And, like, for all of his faults, the mage has, you know, always been very deeply dedicated to overhauling the system and creating a better one even from a very young age which i i do appreciate but sometimes you do need some other people around to help balance you out lucy as we know is under the assumption that she is sort of that stabilizing force when the mage i feel like just sees her as another as a pawn in his larger mental chess match against the world of mages yeah i mean i mean yeah as a revolutionary you don't need people around just to like be in relationship with you need people around who like are co-conspirators and who will like check you and also whose ideas you listen to and whatever there's a there's a much there's a very important community aspect to being a useful and effective revolutionary that the mage is just missing and has always been missing yeah he's not really big on the whole coalition building which is or maybe even having friends it seems like no and i think and i think it's because he intentionally isn't going out necessarily to find friends i mean it sounds like a lot of people didn't want to hang out with him but it was because he was not interested in anything anyone else wanted to talk about 
or interested in hearing what other people had to say about what he wanted to talk about, which is like, you got to pick at least one of those things. <laughs> like, yeah, if you only want to talk about one subject, you have to also be willing to listen about the one subject. Right. And I mean, I yeah. And I don't know, I think maybe let this be a, a lesson for all of us angry radicals that there's other things in life to be interested in. Yep. Like birds. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to face the truth where we talk about politics and things that are fucked up as you mentioned earlier penny is convinced that the mage is gonna kill simon and basically if the mage doesn't someone else will at this point like offing simon is sort of the only thing on on the horizon for him now that this information exists which i think is both political and a thing that's fucked up yeah and i mean first things first yes uh simon would not deserve to die if they just straight up murdered him trying to to say this i would be curious to know what could have been done with simon if the events of this book the end of this book didn't happen as it did yeah i was gonna ask the same question because it is sort of like the humdrum's just gonna keep sending things so either they kill him or simon sacrifices himself but if if he hadn't figured out how to stop the humdrum i don't think there really was another solution which is terrible yeah because even if they i don't know could even conceivably wipe his memory i mean he would still go off like that's what happened when he was a kid so right which is fucked up and at the core of it an entire problem the fucking mage created yeah right because the only i mean the only thing that they could do would be like put him in some sort of like magical seclusion chamber you know where the humdrum somehow couldn't get to him but even if they did that wouldn't the humdrum just sort of like throw a temper tantrum and like take it out on everyone else yeah like who knows what kind of fucked up shit that would happen yeah yeah there's really no good options here Mm-mm. uh what do you have this is just the fucking mage scoffing at lucy as if the chosen one he is determined to create with her somehow could the idea of, of that child being anything but a male child is like such bullshit it's like fucker that's also my next point like fuck you the mage mage. uh yeah he's like lol i guess sure it could be a girl whatever what a piece of shit (laughs) yeah just shaking my head because i just hate him so much yep yeah um so my next slash last thing i want to give a little trigger warning for like consent discussion so lucy says that she thought that if she didn't go along with this that davy might have done it without her he might have found a way which very much to me sounds like kidnapping someone who was not consenting to be impregnated by him uh which i think is true like i I totally think he would have done that um and also like that being her reason for consenting kind of to me is like not meaningful consent i mean it's it's coercion 
yeah. essentially. Which, yes, isn't consent. Coercion is not consent. Yeah, I definitely think you're right that either he would kidnap someone else or under false pretenses get them into this weird sex magic shit that he's doing mm-hmm. with Lucy. Which is incredibly fucked up. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because they have like compulsion spells and stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, the whole scene, the whole scene in which she becomes pregnant is just deeply uncomfortable to read. I can't get over two things. Okay. Number one is that the fucking mage had the audacity to be like, actually, you don't, don't say anything. And I'm like, you pe- like what? Nothing about that. Like everything about this is deeply disturbing. And yeah, uh, number one. You don't think that was like a, a critical piece of the spell? Do you think he was just being a jerk? I mean, if I had to guess. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, no. Are you being serious? No, I definitely think I I think he's maybe just kind of being an asshole. I think it's part of the spell. Because the spell is going, you know. That's true. And if they talk, isn't that going to like disturb whatever is happening? Yeah, I think that's a good point. The other thing that is some bullshit is he doesn't bring anything for her to lay on. She is laying on the bare ass floor, lying still while he's having sex with her. Uh And it is just the mental image of that is so awful. It's so terrible. Like, not even a blanket, dude. Not even a fucking blanket. Are you fucking shitting me? Oh, I know. I know. I had that in Caught in a Landslide. I'm with you. That's so... Oh, like, you know, Rainbow Rowell really knows how to, like, fucking punch you with a tiny sentence and just, like, we didn't bring anything. Blankets, pillows, a mat, nothing. You're just like, oh, god damn it. Fuck this guy. Yeah. And just, like, I think... At the end of this chapter, his happiness not being about her or this child that she's excited about, but about his idea coming to fruition. I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. Caught in a landslide. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Um, so I just want to read Simon's section from uh, chapter 79, 78, and then dig into it with you. Yeah. So he says, this is right after Penny's been like, let's, let's run away. And Simon says, away. There is no away. There's only here and normal. Did Penelope think that there would be an escape for me to run away from magic? I don't even think it's possible. I am magic. And whatever I'm doing, running away won't stop it. I have to fix this, I said. It's my job to fix it. I don't think you can, she said. I let go of her hand. I have to. It's why I'm here. But maybe that's not why I'm here. Maybe I'm just here to fuck everything up. It doesn't change what I have to do next. Which is... (sighs) Super heavy. Yeah. Uh, Like, what what a terrible weight. He's carrying, but I think there's so much here, particularly the things that I highlighted. I am magic and it's why I'm here. 
like these pieces of Simon's sort of like, I was prophesied, you know? Mm -hmm. And even if he's now sort of like questioning, it's like he's questioning whether or not he's the chosen one, but he's not questioning whether or not he's in this prophecy. It's just maybe he's the one who's come to end us as opposed to the one that's going to save them. Yeah. It's very fatalistic. I guess it just feels like that this this end is here like this end that i've been maybe sort of expecting for a while Mm -hmm. don't do it simon you have so much to live for Mm -hmm. i mean obviously he survives this but he doesn't know that he thinks about to go to his death to save magic and i'm like yeah i don't think he yeah i don't think he expects to survive at all no and i mean i think also part of it is that the like it's why i'm here thing is kind of like what am i without this quest this journey this purpose i guess Mm -hmm. but like you don't need a purpose to be up to be alive you just you're you're a person in the world you don't like question why there's trees and ants and possums they just they're here that is to anyway that's yeah getting into the weeds but i know but like think about for you know he's 18 for the last seven years of his life, he's been told that he's the greatest power of powers who's here to save them all. Like seven formative years of his life. Yes. Like Simon doesn't have enough life experience to weigh in on the validity of what, of like what he has been told. He's like, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm here. Clearly. Right. I was prophesied, you know? And if Uh, I don't do it, then there's no point to me existing. And it's like, no, Simon. Right. I'm sad. I know. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where we talk about ways you can support this podcast. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about donations because uh, you can make a donation, a one, one-off donation to keep this pod and our other projects running. I am going to go more into that in a second, but first I want to say thank you to everyone who's donated this year to support our work because you folks are incredible and we're so thankful. Uh, so to Stephanie Boris, Emily Kaczynski, Jessica Gardner, Emily McGavern, Krissa Nakos, uh, Andrew Rosenbaum, and Aubrey Butte. Thank you. We are super grateful. For folks who maybe are interested in making a donation, you can do that on our website. So go to hashtag ruthless.com and click on make a donation. And there's a, a form you can fill out there to make that happen. And this October... We're doing a thing for folks who donate, (laughs) and Jesse's going to tell you about it. All right. So through the month of October, so October 1st through October 31st, if you donate any amount of money, I will personally send you a handwritten note with a spooky animal fact on it of my choosing. (laughs) (laughs) In the mail. In the mail, physical mail, I will put a stamp. I'm putting a stamp on it. I'm using paper. 
spooky paper, I believe. You spooky Halloween-themed paper. Uh, I'm going to try to write very slowly for everyone, but I have a writing fine motor disability issue where my handwriting is not super legible, but I will try very hard for each and every one of you. So yeah, this is a donate what you can, and I will send you a letter. Again, that's hashtag ruthless.com. Click on make a donation. Get an animal fact in the mail. What could be better? Who doesn't Who doesn't like getting mail? Exactly. Is this just fantasy? Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. At the very beginning of this of, of this chapter, of chapter 78, Baz is like, it took me a minute to figure out that Penny was possessing this dog and not just trapped inside of this dog. I'm like, this is, is this a common thing that happens? What? <laughs> How? Why? I don't think so. Because he says he's never heard of the spell. So I feel like he was in either situation. He was like, I don't fucking know how penny is a dog right now that's true i figured i assumed that he meant that he was unaware about a possessing an animal spell but he just assumed that it is illegal and i'm like probably probably but i my question is how is this somehow different than a little bird told me because i don't think you can converse with the bird i think the bird like shows up delivers the message proceeds to just be a bird Mmm. That's fair. Yeah, I was trying, and then I spent some time trying to figure out what the fuck spell Penny would have used. Ooh, do you have ideas? I I have one. I have one idea. Okay. Really, because she was like, I wasn't aware I was going to be a dog, so she must have not had any idea about how she was going to get the message to Baz. So I assume that it must be speak of the devil. Ooh. That was the best I could come up with on kind of short notice, but. Oh, this is such a good question. I can't believe I didn't even think to think about this. Huh. Um, The other thing that I noted about this possession spell is that it appears to hurt the dog when she breaks it. I dislike that idea. Me too. And it makes me be like, what is happening in this poor little puppy's brain? It's probably why this is illegal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right, because it's not always a dog. She's usually a person. Like, possessing people is not good. You shouldn't do that. I guess it's just like she's like hijacking their brain, but also their mouth. And their body. I mean, their whole self. It's like making a living, not like a megaphone. I don't know. This is, yeah, this is fucked up. It is fucked up. I mean, I guess if you're like, Simon's going to die, I think I should reach out. I I guess. I guess. <laughs> but no other situation besides someone is in mortal danger of being murdered should you use the spell. Right. Uh, so I looked at the quote that Lucy is partially able to make out. And the full quote is from Shakespeare. It's from Othello. Mm-hmm. In which the line is, there are many events in the womb of time which will be delivered. Mm-hmm. Which, number one, is an excellent fucking line to have in your oracle chamber. Mm-hmm. So good. It is also spoken by the villain of Othello, Iago, which I'm kind of like, is there something there? And I'm like, my brain is not on <laughs> enough for me to like decipher if there are layers here. 
But yeah, I thought that was interesting. And I'm like, that's actually a really cool phrase. Why is this not used in more magic books? Yeah, no, it is very cool. Also, the way that it applies to like the oracles, but also it's like they're literally making a magic baby yeah. right now. It's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. All right. So you want to talk about uh, sus sex magic? Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about this ritual. Uh, we get a lot of information, which I think is really cool. Yeah. So it's taking place on the autumnal equinox, mm-hmm. you know, which is also when the veil thins, we know from the beginning of this book. It's a spooky time of year. Yeah. Ce- celebrated in, in many cultures mm-hmm. around the world and in the U.S. But yeah, once again, the the daylight and the... The, the day and the night are exactly the same time. And something about the way the sun is, I think, during this equinox is very important. And we have other, the other ingredients. We have blue blood, which I have written dragon, question mark. Put a pin in that. H- horseshoe crab. <laughs> 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 quick, quick Google tells me that um, a lot of crustaceans and also most spiders have blue blood interesting yeah so my horseshoe crap <laughs> comment maybe wasn't totally off i want to think that it's magical blue blood yeah it's practically speaking yeah we have this pattern on the floor that's not a pentagram did you have any thoughts about what it might be I was trying to decide, I guess if it was runes, she would probably have known. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm not super familiar with other like m- magical patterns that is not, not a pentagram. Um, and then we learned that at least two of the spells that he used were from Beowulf and the Bible, but we don't know what from those. Yeah, I'm... I've never, I've not, I've never read Beowulf, so I don't, I'm not actually familiar with any of the text, and, I mean, there's a lot of weird, I mean, a lot of weird crap in the Bible, you could, you could, I mean, Songs of Solomon, crap from the Old Testament, crap about Jesus from the New Testament, crap from, like, Revelations, I mean, I feel like, take your, take your pick about, yeah. I guess if I had to guess, I feel like something from Revelations would make sense. Right, saviors and all that. Yep, saviors and the end of the world and yeah, blah de blah. Seven seals and all of that. Mm-hmm. I think there are seven seals. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I really know about Beowulf is the like dude in the story who kills a monster and realizes that he's pissed off the monster's mom, who I think probably eats him or something. So maybe some kind of fertility, mm. birthing, powerful, blah blah um, mm-hmm. Any, if there are any <laughs> English majors. <laughs> there definitely who, are. Who uh, studied the classics or maybe some queer librarians. Um, let us know what you think from Beowulf would be a part of this uh, sex magic ritual. Because I don't care about classic literature, so I did not read much of any of <laughs> not familiar and i'm honestly not gonna try to like dig through it now so fair enough yeah what do you like what else what else i guess i'm just curious 
Because clearly something goes wrong here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lucy dies in childbirth, but obviously, like, the rest of her pregnancy is just super, like, even more so the way that an unborn fetus is, like, feeding off of their parent. Uh, it's, like, sucking out all her magic, essentially. Right. So something has gone terribly wrong here and because we we get like bits and pieces of this spell but like lucy doesn't really know so we don't really know and i just wonder if it had gone terribly wrong for lucy if the fucking mage had cared even an iota for her outside of gestating his imagined chosen one just because the Simon's actual magical conception and the way that Lucy describes it as a like like a star had collapsed and like all of her magic concentrated in a tight ball of her pelvis sounds incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds painful as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and did the fucking mage know this was gonna happen? Did he just not care? I I propose that Lucy is a spell ingredient. Hmm. Interesting. That the mage knew that she would die after Simon was born and that Simon would, you know, her magic was an ingredient in this spell. Interesting. That's even more fucked up. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that that he knew that that was going to happen. What a fucked up dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, listeners, if you haven't read the second two books this is when you should turn this episode off the rest of the conversation that we're gonna have is gonna be spoiler spoilerful spoilery spoilery (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll give you a few seconds to you know pick up your phone or if you're listening in the car i don't know i don't don't know how people listen to our podcast so like if you're in the shower uh just plug your ears until Hopefully our inane small talk will have given you enough time to turn off the rest of this podcast because we are getting into book two and three territory if you do not want to be spoiled for that. Just through the end of this episode. Yes. The following episodes, we will go back to being spoiler free, I promise. Yeah. Uh, if you don't care about being spoiled, you can keep keep listening. Yes. Do it. All right. I think that's been sufficient enough time. So I agree. So several people have reached out to be like, I, I think Simon is a dragon. Like, I think, I think that Priya, I mean, they haven't said, I think that Priya is right, but like, you know, essentially, yes, he evolved. This is his final form. There's that piece in Wayward Son where they meet the dragon and she thinks that Simon is a baby dragon. Which I love. Yes. <laughs> and so people point to that, obviously, as confirmation for this and i i think this is a good time to sort of investigate that okay the reason i asked if like the blood was from a dragon oh right because if it was part of the magic of his conception it might not just be i thought about escaping and i conjured and it and I got dragon wings and a tail, but if somehow his magic was somehow dragony. Right. Huh. And also we know that killing a dragon can open a portal to hell. And there's this like de- 
design on the floor, you know, maybe not a portal to hell, but like if a dragon has been sacrificed potentially as part of this ritual for its magic, because I think, you know, dragons are just innately magical. I I feel like, you know, maybe what the mage thinks is happening potentially is like they're, you know, he's channeling the power of, of this dragon that he's sacrificed. But then I was reading that. So I, listeners, um, someone sent us an email talking about the parallels between Simon's conception story and uh, the conception stories of both Merlin and King Arthur. Hmm. Were you able to read that or no? Oh, shit. You sent it to me. I just did not read that. It's totally fine. So they like really went into a lot of a lot of detail with that. But one of the things that they pointed out about King Arthur is that he's conceived by someone who basically has like a glamour uh, to make it look like it's Arthur's mom's husband, but it's not. And the only thing that Merlin can't change is the dude's voice. And so he's not allowed to speak during the whole time right because that'll give him away Hmm. and so i was thinking about that and like what if the mage says that they can't talk because he's like embodying like a dragon spirit in that moment as part of this spell oh shit i see this email also mentions beowulf and the bible which both have dragons in them i'm I'm here for this reading, actually. I'm really here for this. And I mean, I think also part of it is that we could totally see the fucking mage doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he doesn't give a fuck about the social mores about not killing a dragon. Like, he would totally kill a fucking dragon and do some dumb shit and then try to, like, imbue this child with dragony magic. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we even know from the beginning of the book the you know baz tells us that you shouldn't slay dragons but the mage told simon like you can get to watford on your own you've already slayed a dragon like totally no concern about the fact that simon has done this thing that's like apparently really terrible and dangerous to do yeah i i love this interpretation and i think that I'm ready. I'm ready to go forward with this, just because, like, I mean, yeah. There's, it's definitely not just the wings and the tail about Simon that is kind of like, and especially the way that in the books his, like, you know, he's like even this chapter he's like I am I am magic, and everyone's like you do things that you shouldn't be able to do, right? And I think that there are so many ideas about I think dragons just being pure magic because nothing about a dragon makes sense like that like a drag like what we like what we imagine dragons are like what literature and like art describes dragons are it's like this is not a this, it isn't just like a you know someone found some like dinosaur bones it was like a dragon it's like for dragons to exist it's just like they are just made of something more than just what naturally occurs in nature so right. and i think that that is definitely a lot of what Simon is going through in this book and in previous parts of his life where it's just like he is what he can do doesn't make any sense because people should not be able to do the things that he can do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But right. If, if sacrificing a dragon like is dark slash powerful enough to open the gates to hell and 
Isn't that a little bit what Simon's doing on a small scale when he like when with like the humdrum spots, like unknowingly? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Simon's Dragon Boy. Yeah. Fun. Sorry, I just, I just, almost like he is, but he's also more like Puff the Magic Dragon, more mm. like Rawr, <laughs> Dragon. I mean, we don't know, we don't know what you know what dragons are like in this world necessarily like the dragon that we saw at the beginning of the book like she seemed pretty she didn't want to be there right she just wanted to fucking go home and take care of her eggs the dragon that we meet in the next book too is very like you know of of her place of her you know she's one with the nature that she is supporting and is supported Mm. by and she's not out there to like eat damsels or anything yeah I feel like this also puts an interesting twist, an interesting perspective on Simon's sort of emotional struggles in book two and three, where he's like trying to find a place. He's trying to exist in this world where he doesn't have the kind of clarity of purpose that being the chosen one allowed him. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like, you need that like surety of your environment or a dragon horde. I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because if he is innately magical in the way that dragons are innately magical not having that would would be so much like more disorienting than just like you know a regular magician being in a dead spot or something like that oh simon and bass just become full cottage core and live in the middle of nowhere and they can both hunt deer i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool all right that is the end of the this spoilery conversation and the end of the episode yeah and the end of the episode cool thank you for listening to this episode of escape from reality next time we will be reading chapters 80 and 81 and let's see what else this podcast is a creation of hashtag ruthless productions And if you like it, you should totally check out our Harry Potter podcast, The Gaily Prophet. And if you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, consider becoming a patron because we have a Buffy podcast called We Are the Gayers. And that's at patreon.com slash the Gaily Prophet. You should follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at the Gaily Prophet. You can also go to our website where you can... Listen to our apps, buy merch, leave a donation, and our website is uh, hashtag ruthless.com. If you want to find me on the internet, you can go to my website, which is larkmalachi.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at larkmalachi. Uh, if you want to follow me, I am on Instagram at live from Detroit and on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester and myself. The music in our intro is by Kevin McLeod. The rest of the music is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And until next time. Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.